Hello listeners, this is Matt from Uncanny Treks, and I want to take a moment to tell you about our brand new Patreon at patreon.com slash uncannytreks. On our Patreon, we offer lots of exclusive content in multiple tiers, including access to our brand new Patreon-exclusive podcast, X-Men 92 vs. Young Justice. On this podcast, we follow the same format as B5 vs. DS9, but with an entirely new focus on reliving the nostalgia of 90s X-Men animated series and comparing it to the fast-paced action of Young Justice. Both of these animated series have recently been renewed for new seasons, so we felt it was a great time to return to these two comic book-based properties. If you're interested in subscribing, please visit us at patreon.com slash uncannytreks, and you can always reach out to us on Twitter at uncannytreks. Enjoy the show, and as always... Thank you for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the galaxy's most retro futurist podcast. That's right. It's Legion of Superheroes versus Star Trek Strange New Worlds. We're talking about season one, episode five of both shows. That's Champions for Legion, which originally aired on the 11th of November, 2006. And for Strange New Worlds, that's Spock Amok, which originally aired on the 2nd of June of 2022, a.k.a. today. I am Bob in Cascadia. That is Matt in the Southland. How you doing tonight, Matt? Let me start by asking you this, Bob. Do you like hijinks? Yeah, Matt, definitionally I do. My uh, favorite genre of film is uh, screwball comedy, which is uh, nothing but hijinks. Nothing but. Well, let me tell you, Bobby, Spock Amok is for you. A lot of hijinks in this one, Matt. A lot of hijinks. Lots of hijinks. <laughs> But before we get to the hijinks, we need to cover the athletic hijinks of champions, Matt. You want to walk us through the uh, A-plot, which is coincidentally the only plot of the Legion episode? Well, no, Bob. I was going to ask you if you like sports, too. <laughs> uh, he's got time to like sports, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So in the A-plot of champions, Lightning Lad's older brother, Mecht, enters a decathlon to upstage him while Phantom Girl deals with her mom, the president of the... Uh, United Planets, thinking that she and Superboy are dating. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it sounds like you didn't really like uh, old Mecht there, Matt. No, uh, kind of a douchebag. He's going to go away, right? We're not going to see this dude again, are we? Wrong. Oh, come on. We're not going to get the Lex Luthor character back, but we're going to get Mecht. This dude, ugh. You may get Lex Luthor back, Alexis Luthor back. I can't remember for sure. Um, Uh. But you, de- you definitely will get more mech Although, I will say, he'll be in a very different form when he comes back, if that's any comfort. Maybe. Maybe he's, he's, he'll be a super douche. Okay. Uh, well, technically, he also still falls into the LL category, which you will see. Okay. All right. Well, we'll get there. So, to the Lightning Lab, Bob, uh, he had huge calves. What's, what's this dude? Is, is he, like, sports nut? What is the deal? Uh, not traditionally, no. I mean, like traditionally he is played as being a hothead and being interested in Saturn Girl. That's kind of consistent on the show from the comics, but I don't think he's ever portrayed as an athlete in the comics unless I'm forgetting something. Usually uh, they save that for Cosmic Boy, who's the other one of the three Legion founders, along with Saturn Girl and Lightning Lad. Okay, I keep hearing about Cosmic Boy, Bob. Where is this guy? When's he going to show up? He's coming. He's coming. Uh, okay. Uh, Cosmic Boy this, Cosmic Boy that. The dude never shows up. I'm stuck with Lightning Lad. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I would say that Lightning Lad is a much better character than Cosmic Boy. I would, t- I would tell you that for free. Okay. Cosmic Boy is like Cyclops, but even flatter. Does he shoot lasers out of his eyes? 
No, he has Magneto powers. Oh, okay. Magneto Colm. Okay, gotcha. Well, no, because he predates Magneto by like five or six years. But I was exposed to Magneto first, Bob. That's why he's a Magneto clone. <laughs> no, wrong. That's wrong. not how it works, Bob. Wrong. That's, That's not how it works, Matt. Oh, man. Also, okay. uh, there is a connection to Cyclops in that in most versions, he wields his magnetic powers through his eyes. So sort of like Cyclops in that regard. Well, let me say that, you know, we do get to this party or this thing. This this, this It's not a party. It's a, uh, what do you call those boxes? Yeah, it's a reception of... A viewing of the athletes, but they're in like a, a box. Oh, a box seat. Yeah, yes. they're they're in their box seats. Yeah, they're in their box seats, and we find out that uh, the president is not Stacey Abrams, Bob, which is very disappointing to me. No, no, uh, not Stacey Abrams. Like, uh, like you know, because it is about the same century, right? Like in Discovery, I think they're in the thirty-second century. This is the thirty-first century. Yeah, Bob. So maybe it should be Stacey Abrams, but it's not. Instead, it's Phantom Girl's mom. Yeah. So. We found out last episode about Phantom Girl's mom, and you, you promised me some Stacey Abrams, and it was not Stacey Abrams. So. I, uh, I don't believe I promised you Stacey Abrams. I believe you made that up yourself, but uh, however you want to remember it. It's literally some lady with, like, cones on her head and the same color scheme as Phantom Girl. Yeah, yeah. Her name is, uh, I believe, Winamina Lazu, but uh, we can just keep calling her the president, I think. Yeah, well, let's just call her that. That sounds good. Yeah, yeah. We also get a Phantom Girl doing a very, uh, a very credible Appalachian accent to mock the Kansas Superboy, which I very much enjoyed. Yeah, that was easily like the best line of this episode, is her mocking Superboy's uh, speech. Yeah, yeah, very charming, very it was, charming. It was, spo- <laughs> it was spot on. It was spot on, Bob. All that, shucks. That's, that's, what he sound, that's what he should sound like. <laughs> I don't know, what does a Kansas accent sound like? I don't like what she did, and that's what she should, that's what that's he should. A, that, no, that, she sounds like, it, that's an Appalachian accent, which would be different than whatever Midwestern accent Superboy would have. I want Superboy to have that accent at all times, and this show would be like 100 times better. I agree with you that it would probably be more notable that if Superboy had an Appalachian accent, but he's not from Appalachia, he's from Kansas. Yeah, one thing I should have mentioned earlier when uh, you were complaining about Mecht is that you can at least give Mecht credit for one thing, which is he understands a very important lesson about sports that I know you understand, which is if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. That's right, Bob. You got to cheat to win. Yeah, cheat to win, maybe. Uh, you yeah. know, you know, with these competitions, though, Bob, that, that they're competing in, some of them are kind of weird. Like one's like running on lava, running around lava while like large balls are thrown at you and... I don't even know what the opening thing was. It was not that interesting to me. But there's one that was a damn pod race. He has a pod race. Yeah, this was only like seven years after the Phantom Menace, I guess. Yeah. Pod racing occurs in a Legion of Superheroes, folks. <laughs> pod racing. Pod racing, baby. Pod racing. Uh, did any of the other contestants stand out to you, Matt? I mean, there's that one dude who decides to like eat the obstacle after it falls on top of him during the during the lava run. Uh, yeah, what's, his, yeah. what's his deal? Uh, so he's from the planet Bismol. Does that sound familiar? Like Pepto Bismol? Indeed, indeed. Oh my God! Uh, what, Bob? Is this shit real? <laughs> this shit is real. Yeah. So he, um, his name is Tinsel Kim. He'll become Matter Eater Lad in the Legion, <laughs> and he's sort of notorious, along with Bouncing Boy, as being like the most ridiculous Legionnaire. So in some versions, they leave him out, although. Like I said, as we've matured as a society and gotten more comfortable with Silver Age wackiness, the tendency is to, you know, welcome him in along with Bouncing Boy. So, yeah, so, that's why he's, like, crunching down on the metal thing that fell on him. 
So, like, when Frank Miller does an ad- adaptation of the Legion, like, we won't be seeing Bouncing Boy and Matter Eater Lad unless their Matter Eater Lad is, like, some kind of cannibal. Well, so his whole gimmick, though, is he can't be a cannibal. So he can't eat organic stuff. He can only eat inorganic matter. Oh, oh. Well, that's a very specific. Jeez. Well, it's a, it's a wide range of stuff, though. Like, actually, maybe he could eat, like, wood. But, like, I don't know about wood, but, like, you know, rock, metal, plastics, that sort of stuff. Okay. All right. And you will be amused to know, I haven't recommended it before because it's not a very accessible jumping on point. But there was, like, a kind of grim and gritty reboot of the Legion in uh, 1989. It wasn't even a reboot. It was just, like, a time jump. Like, they jumped five years ahead. And, like, the Legion had disbanded and everything was kind of dystopian. Yeah, And it was very influenced stylistically by the Dark Knight Returns and especially by Watchmen. Like there were nine panel grids. Um, Keith oh. Giffen, who was doing the art, was like very influenced by Gibbons art and by Miller's art. Also, this so this bright this brainchild I just came up with a moment ago is actually real. It how, is real. It is real. Awesome. That's what, OK, that's what Legion comics were like from like 89 to 92 or thereabouts. All right. Um, but. There are some hilarious comedy episodes, comedy issues in there that focus on Matter Eater Lad. And you're very much almost like, what if Frank Miller drew Matter Eater Lad? What if there was like a limited edition issue where like Matter Eater legit ate your comic? You know what I mean? Like you had a big chunk of it taken out. Ah, that could be cool. That That sounds like some shit DC would have come up with. Did you ever read Multiversity? Uh, yes. You know know how it's kind of doing that? Isn't it like an... Uh, an Elmo storybook that's like the monster at the end of the book. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know how Multiversity's doing that too? Yeah. Right. You could almost do that with like Matter Eater Lad, like eating the comic itself. He's eating pieces of the comic, folks. Crazy Matter Eater <laughs> Lad. They need to make a movie about this guy. I want to see an HBO original series. Hey, man, with the, with the rate that HBO Max is going, it wouldn't be HBO, but it would be HBO Max original. <laughs> Well, who are some of these other guys, Bob? Because I do know that they have... There's one guy who definitely plays a part. He starts hollering out whatever his powers are. Kind of reminded yeah. me of uh, Amazo or Amazo or whatever the guy's name is in Young Justice. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Um, that's uh, Ultra Boy. His name is Jonah. He comes from Rimbor. Um, and yeah, basically he's has all the powers of Superboy, but he can only use them one at a time. So like the Legion flight ring is very useful for him because it allows him to fly while using one of his other powers. And I think I rather stupidly last week said that Phantom Girl dated Monel, which was very dumb of me. She didn't date Monel, who's another Superboy knockoff. She dated Ultra Boy, and so that's why Phantom Girl is giving Ultra Boy the big eyes during the fight. And none of you assholes out there in Twitter caught him. None of you. Not, Not a, a damn one. one. Make Guys, mistake. If only Matt wasn't so ignorant, he could have owned me when I made the mistake. I probably could have. But anyway. Before you move on from Ultra Boy, I got to ask: though, Does he always have to yell out the name of the power he's using at the time? Is that part of it, or can he just no, like imagine it? That, like Amazo, that's added to make it more comprehensible to the viewer what he's doing. Uh, okay. But in the in the comics, like Amazo, he doesn't usually have to yell out uh, the power he's using. Oh, okay, good. Because that would be really weird. Yeah. Do you notice his? So his name is Jonah. Does that sound like anything? Jonah. Like maybe a book of the Bible? Yeah, like with the will. Yeah, yeah. So Ultra Boy got his powers because he was eaten by a space well or a space dragon in some versions. Okay. Wow, this uh, 
The shit gets weird the deeper down the rabbit hole you go, Bob. <laughs> um, the one other contestant is they mentioned Drake Burroughs, who's uh, the name of a guy who later becomes a legionnaire uh, called Wildfire. Uh, what does he do, shoot fire? Um, he, so he actually becomes like a sentient ball of energy who's held together in a containment suit. And so there's like a horrific accident that like puts him in the containment suit. So he's a lot further away from being himself than, uh, than Matter Eater Lad or Ultra Boy are at this point. So all that, all that, what you just explained happens to him. He, he gets, you know, becomes a ball of energy and put into a containment suit. And he decides that we'll call you Wildfire. And he's like, awesome, part of the Legion. Uh, it's more complicated than that. He, he is one of the more uh, extended. He, he, they create him in the 70s, and he, his, uh, his thing is a bit more complicated than a lot of the other Legionnaires, if I recall correctly. Well, let me tell you something that's not that complicated, Bob, that really drives me yeah, nuts yeah. about this show, is the Fatal Five. They really, really suck at their job. Damn, just always criticizing, man. Always criticizing. I'm always going to criticize the Fatal Five. They just suck. Like... The bomb they plant that's supposed to be, you know, dark matter and will consume probably half a planet if it's if it goes off. They're just hanging around with it. Disguise. They'll get away in time. They'll get away in time. <laughs> it had eighteen seconds. They were still they were still hanging out there. Anyway, Superboy does launch that bomb off into the to the to the air of Sky River. But then after that, all their plans are weird. Like they gave um, mecked a freaking laser thing to break up the dome around the top of it, around the top of the, you know, what, what, why, why even get that dude involved? Come on now, he's just because he's an asshole, Matt. Just he's an corruptible. asshole. He needs to have some like something like on his face to like be the opposite of the lightning, but there's no way to like represent thunder and you know on your but face. He's not the opposite of the lightning, Matt, <laughs> as you will find out. <laughs> well, whenever he gets his powers, they better be. Flipping cool. I believe he already has his powers at this point, although maybe they do it differently in the cartoon. No. But in the uh, in the comics, and I think in the cartoon, Lightning Lad and his brother get their powers at the same time. Okay. Well, I, I look. I guess I can look forward to seeing what uh, douchey powers this douchebag gets. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe they handle it differently in the cartoon. I don't. I don't remember. Yeah, I, I do sort of agree with you that like. The Fatal Five should be, like, one of the most serious threats that the Legion faces. And so, as such, they should be used rarely and for big things. And so, just having them try, to try and sabotage a sporting event doesn't really... It kind of cheapens them. Like, you kind of want to, you know, use other B or C-level villains for that. You want to save the Fatal Five for some of the bigger stuff. Yeah, not just sabotage it one way. They had, like, 14 different ways they were going to be able to sabotage it. They had, like, all the way to, like, Plan D. In case well, they're, shit at least, go down. they're at least thorough, Matt. They're like yeah. they're like Cyclops in um, in X Men, who famously said that he wouldn't call his first plan Plan A because that would imply he only had twenty six. <laughs> wow, that's that's crazy. That's like Batman level shit at that point. All right, <laughs> so my favorite non Legionnaire of the week or non Superboy Legionnaire of the week, Bob, is gonna go once again to Phantom Girl. I feel like she's racking up this accolade. Yeah, yeah. I hope they, uh, I hope they diversify it a little in the focus, because, yeah. I mean, there just wasn't, there weren't many people going on in this one, right? It was just Lightning Lad, Superboy, and Phantom Girl. Yeah, Phantom Girl's quickly becoming like number one Legionnaire. Yeah, yeah. She's she's hogging all the glory. So, yeah, I, I would obviously give it to Phantom Girl too, because they're Lightning Lad, uh, not the best as a character. 
And I, I don't. I want to pull something from our Young Justice podcast. We do cover choreography watch occasionally, and there's one bit of choreography in the fight scene here that I thought was really cool. It's when Phantom Girl grabs the uh, who's the half metal guy. He's like a robot. He's half human, half metal. He's of the Fatal uh, Five. Tharok, I believe. Tharok, yeah, whatever his name is. Anyway, Phantom Girl grabs his metal part and like melts it. <laughs> it was the weirdest <laughs> shit. Like, I, it made me, like, cringe a little bit, but I was like, that's actually really cool. That's a good way to, like, take out the dude. I guess she so, phased it out, and so, like, yeah. you know, the rest of his body would not phase with it. And she phased him out of his robot half. Just smart move. Yeah, so, you know how Phantom Girl and Shadowcat have a pretty similar power set, like Shadowcat of the X-Men? Yes. If you want to see Shadowcat get really creative and really gruesome with her powers, the... There's a recent comic called Marauders where she's the team leader and she tends to use her uh, power in pretty like gruesome ways, like leaving like objects in people's arms and legs. It's pretty cool. Disturbing. All right, Bob. So let's, let's, let's move away from Legion. Let's talk about strange new worlds. In that a plot this week, Bob, the crew go on shore leave at Starbase one while Pike, Spock and Uhura try complicated diplomatic negotiations and Spock and T-Ping, T-T-Ping, T-Ping accidentally switch bodies and the two plots cross. Yeah, man, it's almost like the uh, the you know the switching of the plots is mirrored by the switching of the bodies. Yeah, and then in the uh, the B plot, of course, Number One and Nudie and Singh try to overcome their reputation of where fun goes to die by playing Enterprise Bingo. So I thought the bingo game on the starship sounds realistic and kind of fun, Bob. Like that's the kind of shit that I would like to do on a starship. Play, you know, have that bingo game where you go around looking for different things and. Signing off on different things, taking selfies with Spock and whatever else the hell was on that list. Yeah, we might have mentioned it back uh, in, I think the Enterprise Bingo first came up and only came up in that episode where Uhura is getting hazed, but we might have mentioned it then, but it feels very kind of lower decks, right? Oh yeah, very lower decks. Yeah, and it's also like a kind of fun way for you just to have a lot of little, and in a very similar way to lower decks, have a lot of very random scenes with number one and Nudie and seeing uh, like facing each other or, you know, walking on the hull of the ship, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Now they don't have cetacean ops on uh, this enterprise, correct? Um, as far as we know, I think we only, we only know for sure that we have a cetacean ops on enterprise D, which is kind of grim because then you wonder what happened to the poor cetaceans when uh, Deanna Troy crashed the enterprise into that planet in generations. Oh, they died. Yeah, I'm just, I was just curious. That'd be a really good way to show this, just because you know you have a reason to, to show it. Yeah, I mean it's the quarters like, are so big and luxurious on this Enterprise, kind of in contrast to the original series that it's like, well, you might as well have Cetacean Ops. Yeah, everybody's got huge quarters. It's pretty, it's awesome. It's an awesome gig. <laughs> but I'm wondering if it's just the senior staff. But I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah, because we do know that like Uhura at least has a couple roommates. Right. And lives yeah. in a little cubby. Yeah, yeah. Although, still, like, the room in which the cubby was in, as I recall, looked pretty big still. Yeah. Things were spacious in the future, Bob. I like this. Yeah, not not, not so in the original series. Like, in the original <laughs> series, it all feels really cramped. But, yeah, here, deeply spacious. So, you know, of course, I, I should throw a fit about how they don't fit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I did like, we kind of open up with Spock having this dream where there's ritual combat between his human and his Vulcan self. And so we see Ethan Peck without the ear prosthesis. 
And now that I think about it, I'm kind of surprised that the original series never found an excuse to have like Leonard Nimoy do Spock with that with just human ears, like you know, like he'd been hit by a mutation ray or something like that. It's kind of surprising they never went down that route. Do you think it was where they changed his haircut too? I, I like it. There, there's human there's human haircuts and there's Vulcan haircuts. It makes sense. Yeah, apparently there's two different. You know, you, you can go and get the the Vulcan haircut or the human haircut. The human haircut is very like '90s white guy. So this apparently reminded you of a masterpiece of cinema, Matt. Oh yeah, there, at the very beginning, you know, of this episode, you've got this dream where Spock is fighting himself, and you know they're going at each other, and it, it was just like uh, it gave me Superman three vibes. But I just want to say fuck Superman three for setting uh, this incredibly specific standard for any visual fight between a man and himself. Because anytime any dude takes on himself, oh yeah, that's like in Superman three, and it, it, Superman three sucks. <laughs> So in Superman three, does like Clark Kent have a different hairstyle than than Superman? Yeah, yeah, he's he's dressed like Clark okay. Kent. Yeah, yeah. Okay, he, I don't he, remember those movies that well. So like they they do like really play up the hairstyle being slightly different. Yeah, he combs it over differently. It looks different. Uh, okay, okay. Did you remember Starbase One at all? No, not really. I, I, I mean, I, I've heard of it. I just don't know where I've heard of it from. It was apparently featured at the end of Discovery Season 1. I totally forgotten about it. Yeah. I guess it kind of gets wrecked at the end of Discovery Season 1, so they've moved it and they've retrofitted it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we, we see every other star base up until that point, so... like, what's this? I think, what's the, what's the highest we've seen? Can you think of one? I think Starbase 7... I think you it's mean, the highest. You mean in the all the series or just all, this all the series, Bob? Uh, I think there's a Starbase 900. Damn. Well, I'm way off then. Sorry. Let me let me pull up. I'm sure Memory Alpha has a list. My bad, listeners. I thought seven was the highest we could, but then oh wait, I kind of remember Starbase nine though. Nah, dog. Like in the next gen and DS9, they go high, high. Starbase 227. Starbase. There's a Starbase 718 in something. Jesus. Let me let me, let me check what these are. So right many Starbases. I just got to know. I just got to know. The, I just got to know, Bob. I got to know the number of Starbases. I mean, it's a lot of Starbases. So Starbase 718 is mentioned in the season one finale of The Next Generation. All right. So there you have it. Never mind. I, I, it wasn't Starbase 7. It was 718. That's where I got confused, Bob. Oh, no. We, we've got we've got Duh. more numbers. We're going to keep, That's we're, where my numbers we're gonna keep this one going. I was thinking Starbase Seven, but I meant Seven Eighteen. Sorry. Yeah, but I think in the I think in the original series they never get past like twenty or thirty. It's time to just open the can of worms, Bob. Episode opens up with Robert April. Opens up with yeah, Robert April, Bob. There. He's still black. I mean, it's just outrageous, man. It's just outrageous. I mean, you know, how could they change this man who had appeared in one cartoon episode? And then in a wholly different way, in one picture, in one edition of the Star Trek Encyclopedia. How could they rewrite Trek history like that, Matt? It's so outrageous. Just for listeners to know, if these are actually your, your thoughts, you need to quit listening to our podcast. Yeah, and go, stop go, listening. Go shoot, yourself, go shoot yourself in the face. Please you're, do. You're we'll a bigot. party you, once you do. Yeah, you're a bigot. No one likes you. Yep, yep. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. But so I, I do want to point out, though, I love Robert April being in this. I don't give a damn what color he is. I think it's great. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I, I like it's having very that. Charming. Co- yeah. Him and him and Pike like kind of going at each other, you know, very slightly, was was very funny. And like you know, you can kind of 
see maybe there's a little like professional jealousy there of like pike has april's old command like i, I liked that that was yeah. that was very charming bob and it says in the notes here you could see pike's nipples in his green shirt is that what it says I didn't say that. I just said that he had a tight green shirt and it oh. made me uh, it made me laugh. And then you treated me like a moron and said, yes, that's the, that's the wrap shirt that Kirk wears. And yes, Matt, I'm aware that Kirk has a shirt, a, ra a green wrap shirt, although I would push you a little and say, I don't remember Kirk's green wrap shirt being quite as tight as Pike's shirt was. It's, it's green wrap shirt. It's the same outfit. It's the style. It's a it's like a class B uniform or some shit like that. But was Kirk's as tight as Pike's? That's the question. No, I don't think so. You're probably right about that. All right. Yeah, yeah. it was a really charming, really charming throwback. And you all, you almost kind of wonder, are they like trying to say it's like, is that his diplomatic uniform? <laughs> like, because... Like, I always thought that was like the, the the opposite. Like, I thought that was more like the lazier outfit you wear, you wear not the one you wear like... I... I I could see that, yeah. That would make sense with how they used it in the original series, but it's like, I don't know, do you really go to try to negotiate with a new species to join the Federation in your B uniform? Oh. I mean, I guess, it, to me, it's like the equivalent of, like, a polo shirt with, with the star thing on it. Like, <laughs> it's just it's just dressy enough, you know? Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, we're meeting these guys about 5 o'clock. We're going to go talk to them. Wear this and my khakis. Be good. <laughs> Not sure, you know, break out the suit. Yeah. And it is nice to see the show developing Robert April a little more because I complained a little bit in the pilot that although it's I'm totally fine with April being black, there you do run the risk of having that kind of like stereotype of like the stern black guy who gives out the mission, which the Nick is, the Nick Fury. The Nick Fury, yeah. And so I think they're starting to get a little past that with this episode of Robert April. Oh. Well, I will say this, though. The aliens that we do meet in this episode, they had solar sailing ships, Bob. And we've seen solar sailing ships before. Where have we seen solar sailor ships, Matt? Deep Space Nine. That's what Cisco and Jake built. <laughs> Looked the exact damn same, too. Had the same look. I was like, oh, yeah, continuity. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they did a good job of designing that where it just looked like an old piece of crap, like when it was in dock. But then at the end, when number one and Noonie and Singh standing on the hull and the uh, sails open up to catch the sun it looks really beautiful it, it was a nice little fake out they did i did have one other thought about um april that i thought could be amusing so famously in the the one episode we do see robert april in before strange new worlds we also see his wife sarah who is like his apparently was his science officer oh man would it be funnier if they bring sarah april onto the show should she be white or black what would make the racist trek fans more angry she should be a dude oh that would be even better that would be even better <laughs> <laughs> what, yes. what, whatever gets whatever gets the bigots who somehow missed the entire point of star trek angry is that yes. what we should aim for <laughs> yeah speaking of making trick people angry bob can you believe nurse chapel's by? <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i I, I mean, that was a duh. I was like, no, I mean, it was, a, it was just confirmed. But I mean, really, like, you, you could tell. Like, you could, you could just. Yeah. I mean, honestly, probably the default assumption should be that every character in Star Trek is bi until they're proven otherwise. <laughs> yeah. That, that should just be, like, the default. It's the future, baby. <laughs> like, yeah. people, are a lot, people are a lot less uh, a lot less inhibited. Did you get the sense in the scenes where Chapel was talking to Ortegas that Ortegas was just being a good friend to Chapel, or did you get the sense that Ortegas was interested in Chapel and a little frustrated that 
she kept like you know getting in in these spots with these weird men like the poet guy she was dating or not really dating but just you know seeing and you know now pining after spock i think it was more of a good friend type thing i didn't i didn't get any kind of like romantic vibes off of it or i mostly just got good friend vibes but there was like something about them talking at the table together in the last scene that i i wasn't totally sure if maybe like ortegas was like a little frustrated that like chapel couldn't like look away from the poet and spock and see her but maybe maybe i'm just making that up well uh, well we'll say this bob you got to add in mbinga in the scene because you've got him with his really shitty joke about his fly fishing hat that i just thought was dumb i really liked his fly fishing hat it just, <laughs> just the visual looked so funny that it's like it, the joke landed for me at least oh uh, it did not land for me it was lame i did not th- I, that's this is like the i've liked him being up to this point but this this episode was not his finest and uh <laughs> let me just say this matt too hate, matt hates fly fishing so much that he's now like good i want his daughter to die <laughs> That's why she'd rather be in a coma than be alive. Cause she'd want to go fly fishing oh. with you. Yeah. Um, but anyway, like he, I'll, I kid you not when they're in the transporter and he takes the hat off. I'm like, are they going to set up something here where like that fly fishing hat turns into something? Did you get any kind of like feeling like that at all? <laughs> I, I did kind of wonder if they were going to do some gag where like Kyle beamed him away and like left the hat or something. Yeah, I thought something was going to happen, but it didn't. And it, it really, I was like, I'm hoping this fly fishing hat doesn't set up the plot. Thankfully, it didn't. Yeah, yeah. We, although we do see him with it on later when he's fly fishing. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but let, let's, let's, let's say this, Bob, though. All right. Everything we just talked about in Stranger Worlds happened before the credits. Yeah, yeah. So last week, they waited 10 minutes to do the credits and i thought that was mainly to ratchet up tension of like you know you want to have some tension about is this a trap with the ship in distress like what are they going up to and so they waited 10 minutes this week they waited 15 minutes and this is like the least tense episode the show has done right this is just a a kind of farcical comedy of manners it's really really pleasant in that way but yeah it was just kind of wild they waited 15 minutes to drop the opening credits yeah i'm like why even have opening credits at this point do you reach like a minute marker where you just go, okay, fuck it, we're just not going to have credits this week. I mean, it, it, it's got to happen at some point. I uh, I would disagree with that. I mean, I think that I think the opening credits are a good way to make a pretty effective break. I don't necessarily say that it was like used well in this episode, but in general, it is a pretty good way to like really draw an, a line under a scene that happens, right? So I, I'm actually cool with them being pretty flexible about that. Do you think it's weird, too, that shows still have, like, commercial breaks, even though they're on streaming? And I get the commercial breaks are for the people who don't pay for, like, the uh, the, the ad-free stuff. But come on, like, it, it's like they're built in now. Well, I mean, I, I might be wrong about this, but weren't they airing Discovery on mainline CBS a couple of years after it debuted on streaming? Yeah, they were. But, I mean... <laughs> It's I just I've just noticed it with a lot of shit. Like even the stuff on Disney Plus has them too, and I'm like, why cut it off right there? Like it's just just, just shove the ad in there and just make the people who didn't pay for the premium version like piss because their show just basically gets chopped into. I I totally disagree. I think <laughs> like I think structure is good. Like it's good to have structure to play with structure, and so. Yeah. Things like things like scene cuts and things like the dropping in the opening credits 
are like useful ways to tell the narrative, right? It's useful ways for you to like underline certain things that just happen. So I, I don't think they should get rid of it. And with that being said, guys, check us out on patreon.com slash uncanny tricks. <laughs> <laughs> keep it, keep us ad free and independent. Yeah. Like that little ad I popped in there, Bob. That was a, that was a good transition. All right. Indeed. So, indeed. So I really did enjoy chapel smacking uh, Spock. That was very good. Yeah. They're going to hook up at some point. It's going to happen. I don't know. I, I don't know if they will. Um, because like, I'm not sure, like presumably they will at some point in the show show Spock into Pring's relationship getting worse. Um, but like, I don't know. Cause Tim and maybe they'll just ignore it and go ahead. But to me, like maybe if you have Spock and Tupring, like, you know, separate and then you have Spock and Chapel date and then they break up organically, I guess that's okay. But like, there's something kind of sad if like Spock and Chapel hook up and then like they end it and then Chapel's just kind of like pining for him in the original series as she kind of does. I don't know. That just wouldn't be great to my mind. I'm sure they'll find some way around it, Bob. Uh, th- this chapel will have like amnesia or something at the end of the season. And it's all, <laughs> well, that, it'll all that be, be fixed. St- that would be stupid, and I hope they uh, don't go that that direction. Aren't you glad I don't write these Star Trek things, Bob? Yes, <laughs> I'm very glad. You would uh, you would get rid of scene transitions. You would get rid of credit scenes. Uh, it's just amnesia every week. It would it would be rough. It would be rough. And you, and you probably would have made Robert April White. You unimaginative sob. No, Bob, I would not. I was, I was just about to say, Robert April, Bob, he'd stay black. <laughs> he'd stay black. That's good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Matt, did you know what a mamalute was? Uh, mamalute? Like the snow dog? Yeah, yeah. I, okay. I wasn't sure if it was a real thing or an alien creature when Nurse Chapel mentioned that she had one as a child, so I had to look oh, it up. It's Malamute. 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 It, okay. it's, like a, it's like a snow dog, yeah. There's Alaskan Malamutes, and that's, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know if that, I didn't know, you mentioned that in the notes, and I was like, okay, is that, he saw, I couldn't remember what the aliens were called in this, so I was like, maybe that's what they were called. The, it started with an R, uh, the second syllable started with a P, and there was an apostrophe, <laughs> and it was so, it was so annoying that I intentionally did not put it in the notes. I could have looked it up and put it in the notes, but I decided yeah. not to. Yeah, Star Trek, work on your alien names. We want them to be more yeah. human sounding, yeah. please, please. <laughs> We get a lot of fun lines in this one. Uh, Spock telling Chapel that humans are almost as easy to tease as Vulcans. Yeah, and this whole thing between uh, Spock and his beloved or whatever, that that relationship therapy type thing they do where they switch. Do a mind and, meld for relationship yes, therapy. <laughs> if, that, if that shit became real, you could just say goodbye to civilization. We would be fucked. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That seems awful. I, uh, I have definitely never wanted to know the innermost thoughts of uh, any of my significant others. That has never been something that has crossed my mind. No, and I don't want to share my inner thoughts with anybody. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we. D- so I do think like the goal, right, was just to do a mind meld, and the body swap was unintentional. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think that was the original intent, but yeah, it just, just didn't work get- out that way. We do get a lot of comedic potential out of the body swap, like T'Pring in Spock's body saying, Spock, I do not like hijinks. <laughs> yes, I agree with you. I do not like hijinks that much either. You're, you're anti-hijinks, Matt? I'm, I, there was enough hijinks in this episode that I just couldn't resist, but I mean, that I don't want too many episodes like this in the season, if that makes sense. 
this was a fun comedy thing. It was it was cool, but like let's not make it a, a common. Let's let it be that a little yeah. more isolated. Like, I'm 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 more pro hijink than you. Although it is yeah. it is kind of fun that we go gr- right from the most serious episode of the series thus far to the most comedic episode of the series thus far. Yeah, they really uh, switched up the tone here with this. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, some other hijinks that are amusing is Spock uh, asked T'Pring having to call Pike Chris was very amusing. And then T'Pring as Spock taking great pleasure in telling Spock as T'Pring to stay home was quite amusing. So, in the end, did you think Spike's, uh, Spike's, excuse me, did you think Pike's solution at the end of this episode was, like, reasonable what he figured out with these aliens? On the one hand, it was, I thought it was better written than a lot of like, cause you know, it's a, it's a big common trope of uh, Star Trek diplomatic episodes to have like the uh, captain say something that seems a little dubious and yeah. then the aliens just to nod along and be like, yes, yes, captain. That is very, that is very wise. Um, and then that I mean black was, admiral's like, Hey, wait a minute now. What are you doing, Pike? <laughs> you know, cause that's how the scene went down. Yeah. 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 Um, so on the one hand, it very much confined to type. On the other hand, I actually, I, I thought it was very funny because he was like absolutely right that like probably if you're a quiet uh, planet, maybe joining the Federation is not a good idea. Yeah. Maybe. You, <laughs> I mean, you basically like put a big ass, I mean, they literally put a big ass flag up to let you know like, hey, we align with these people. We're just a quiet, peaceful little species, but now we're part of this United Federation of Planets and they're warmongering. Yeah, yeah. So it was also pretty amusing. Like, I don't think they necessarily meant this because I'm sure the show is written by people with fairly conventional liberal opinions. But like Pike's account of the Federation is being like expansionist and maybe not worth uh, not worth the trouble of joining it uh, really strikes a weird note, like in this era of, you know, Ukraine and Russia going to war and Russia invading Ukraine over the possibility of Ukraine becoming a NATO proxy. Like that, like there's, there's some, I think unintended, but like really interesting parallels there. So you think most Star Trek writers are liberal? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, but like not in a good, not in a good way. Like they write a socialist show, but I think it's a socialist show mostly written by liberals, which is I, I, as a socialist, I don't think calling someone a liberal is a compliment. Gotcha. Um, we do learn a few other interesting things. Apparently, the Ensigns believe Chief Kyle is very mean. I did not yeah. expect that. Yeah, Chief Kyle does not seem like a very mean person. <laughs> no, no. Although they we did, also... they, they did say they were going to have to go and like micro clean the teleporter pad, which sounds yeah, yeah, very tedious. Yeah. <laughs> um, we also see another emotional Vulcan, which this was something we, w- we would see occasionally in Enterprise, like a Vulcan who's renounced the ways of logic. Yeah. And it was kind of an interesting choice to have the Vulcan be emotional, but bigoted against humans. That, I, I thought that was a kind of interesting choice. Yeah, that dude felt like he came off some like crime show or HBO show or some shit. He looked kind of <laughs> like maybe he had a part of the Sopranos at one point. Yeah, one of the funny things about his human bigotry was he was saying, like, oh, humans are really close to apes. And it's like, I, did Vulcans not evolve from primates? They, they look like they did. No, Bob, like, they're completely different. They're not humans. <laughs> but presumably they evolved from something primate-like on Vulcan, yeah? No, no, Bob, no, no. Well, what do, what do you think Vulcans evolved from, Matt? 
I don't know, Bob. I don't have a clue. Probably green-blooded apes. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. See. See. We're back to primates, dog. We're back. To yeah. Primates. I know. I know. I know. I know, Bob. I don't. I don't have an answer. I, I don't know. Do they? I wonder. If they actually have like some dude who sat down and come up with that, like the evolutionary history of uh, other species or other alien species. Like, well, what like, did Klingons evolve pretty... from, Bob? Apes. Is that what you're saying too? <laughs> what did the Borg evolve from? Well, technically, that doesn't really work that well. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Exactly that. What about the well, Ferengi, a Bob? Lot... A lot of the a lot of the alien species, it is pretty clear, like what they come from, like the Gorn or the Saurians or the Tellarites or the um, Andorians. Like their their evolutionary history is pretty clear. You would yeah. you would assume the Vulcans being humanoid, you would assume they also come from primates, but maybe they don't. I don't know. Yeah. Or primate, obviously primate like things in a, in the desert world of Vulcan. You should totally like. I'm sure there's some riveting novel out there that goes into this. Like you had the, uh, uh, what was the name of the guy who, uh, you're going to kill me for, I don't remember this dude's name. Who's the evolution dude? Uh, Richard Dawkins? Nah, nah, uh, less, less Charles recent. Darwin? Charles Darwin, yeah. Like, you know, there was some Charles Darwin on, like, Vulcan at one point. You'd be very happy to know, Matt, that at first I was like, no, Matt, I'm not going to judge you for this. And then it was like, oh, really? You don't know Charles Darwin's name? I know. I know. Yeah, actually, Darwin's. Darwin's. Yeah. You would think I would know. I'm, I'm just completely. I'm having to keep all the Star Trek knowledge in my brain. So like the actual real knowledge of things that actually did exist. It's just kind of left. So, yeah. Anyway, Darwin, you know, there's probably some Charles Darwin on Vulcan at one point. He was all, you know, up into it. And I'm sure the Vulcans didn't like him. It'd be a good novel to write. Uh, interesting fact, probably the single text that most inspired Star Trek uh, is called Voyage of the Space Beagle. It's a novel from the early 50s, and obviously the, the Beagle was the ship Darwin went on his uh, voyage where he came up with the theory of evolution. So interesting connection there. Oh, okay. Also the source of uh, the movie Alien. Yeah, make it into a novel, throw Sulu on the cover, we're good to go. Nice, nice. So who was your uh, character of the week, Matt? Character of the week goes to both number one and Nudie and Singh. Is that because you hate fun and hijinks almost as much no. as they do, Matt? I just thought that was a really fun little story for them. For being such two serious characters, I really liked just their interactions and how you know they were able to go along and, and have a good time, even while the rest of the crew was on shore leave. Good times, good times. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, definitely going to give it to Nurse Chapel. Love Nurse Chapel. This was a great episode. Good times. She was great. She's great in this episode. All right, and that goes to my episode of the week, Bob. Sorry, Legion. Spockamock wins. What, what, you, you didn't like the sport, Matt? You didn't like the sport? No, Bob. I did not like the sports-themed Legion episode. <laughs> you, you go with hijinks over sport, I see. Yeah, I'll go with them hijinks over sports any day of the week. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been the galaxy's most retro futurist podcast, Legion of Superheroes versus Star Trek Strange New Worlds. That is Matt from the Southland. I am Bob in Cascadia. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs>